Time keeps on leaving and we keep on moving. When do we pass on our wisdom to the youth? My veteran story lost our discussions, fireside chats with the bourbon or two. It's time to hear the story by military veterans. Get yourself ready. It's the Lost Arts Podcast. The Lost Arts with Andrew Cox. Hello, hello, my friends, and welcome. Welcome back to the Lost Art Podcast, where we give a voice to our veterans. Very excited today. We have a special guest here, Army retired Staff Sergeant Robert E. Smith. Out of high school, I went to the Air Force recruiter at 17 years old, and requested I join as a, a pilot, and I was told to go to college. I went over to the Navy, and they told me the same story, but I also asked about two other different occupations. We're not doing that now. I had permission by my mother, so... By their advice, I went to attend college. And because the expenses of college at that time period is a lot less than today, but I was working full-time, going to school full-time, goofing off too much of the time. So I passed all my grades. Then I decided I was going to go into the Army. Okay. And instead of going into aviation, I ended up going to Signal Corps. Instead, thinking that I wouldn't be responsible for too many people's lives. Not thinking far enough ahead. Right. So, I attended basic training at Fort Ord, California in October 1968. Okay. December 68. Seven and a half weeks of total time. Now, what, what were some of the things that you remember uh, from going through boot camp then? Because I know it's way different now than it was when you went in. So what were some things that you remember? Well, we had a two-mile run with and without a backpack. Okay. We had the parallel bars, the horizontal bars, the jumping over a trench, a figure-eight type deal. And uh, as far as the physical activity-wise, we also got to go camping. And uh, of all things, we had okay, MREs was at the time period. I mean, today's. Right. Then we had sea rats. Yeah. Well, they gave us K rats as an experiment out of World War II rations. Oh, wow. Actually, it didn't taste bad. But uh, somewhere along the line, uh, I think uh, MREs was a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they tend to have improved them over the years, that's for sure. Also, because at, at Fort Ord, our rifle range was actually facing the beach. Oh, we nice. Had a there and all, but still, and there was a safety zone. And there was a problem one time, because this one fisherman decided to stray closer into the area. <laughs> and he was taking a couple of hits, so he... Came in, came in closer, almost got grounded, and we could quit firing. I don't know how many bullets could have gone over the hill, but 
At least mine all hit the targets. If <laughs> <laughs> somebody else wasn't doing so good then. <laughs> no. That's awesome. Um, okay, what what else? How are uh, like your drill sergeants? Because uh, I know that over time, like when even since I've been in the uh, Marine Corps, uh, when I first came in to now, the what they can do and what they're allowed to do has definitely changed. So I'm sure it's changed since when you went in. Don't know about today, but uh, they uh, well, they yelled at you. Yeah. Of course, I think the Marine Corps does a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, rather strict, got got you to do you know what they wanted to, you to do, right? And you uh, had all your discipline there. Mm-hmm. We had one individual who yeah, kind of went AWOL in a sense. He uh, left the uh, the unit. He went to the main gate and sat down there and cried. Wow! I guess it was just a little bit too much for the guy. I never yeah. saw that guy again. <laughs> But the uh, well, the environment wasn't bad. We had the new barracks at Fort Ord, close enough to the uh, bivouac areas and the hiking trails, but far from the uh, rifle range. Right. But the uh, the drill instructors are very good, except for one. Uh, there was a an accident that happened because of the technical problems. Okay. The uh, drill instructor wanted to throw the guy, throw his hand grenade right-handed, but he had already pulled the pin. He's going to throw it left-handed. Oh, no. There was a mishap. We yeah. lost two guys in that day. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, they don't. I don't even think they throw grenades anymore in boot camp. I know they don't in the Marine Corps. Uh, now, I think we threw them at uh, Marine combat training, but not during boot camp. The last time I threw it was in Korea. Practice. <laughs> over the berm. Right. Don't throw it in the mud. Well, that's exactly where I threw it. And you couldn't see the mud. <laughs> <laughs> I and bet they, you saw it after it exploded, though. Well, the, when the mud came back over and got the guy's lunch, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, so, uh, so you did your uh, boot camp time, and then where'd you go after boot camp? I went to Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. For electronics, tactical uh, communications. Okay. And uh, that was it. Yeah, for a few months there. From there, I went to Vietnam. Okay. Ended up changing occupations a little bit, additional training. So instead of being tactical, I was strategic. And that's where I was actually responsible for quite a few people's lives. Right. Now, now, what specifically when it, when you uh, when you went to the strategic part? Now, what specifically were you doing? Well, a fixed station type. Okay. Had billboard antennas, like a hundred twenty foot billboard, sixty foot billboard antennas. A little different than the radar stuff or the, they have today. Right. And the uh, well, we're, our communication is long range, mm-hmm. and we. Ours uh, went to north as well as south. Okay. Towards Da Nang and towards Saigon. Got you. As well as in between there. We also had another unit that was attached to us, which I was later attached to in Korea, years later. 
and their responsibility was actually a closer range. Okay. Microwave radio. And that's all fine, Danny. I got a little tired of doing nothing. The last movie I watched, of all things, was The Green Berets. Oh, really? Okay. So, somewhere I expected, uh, I volunteered for combat. Right. Well, I ended up uh, building a couple bunkers, rebuilt the perimeter with a little bit of help. And uh, they eventually gave me, uh, said, we have something for you. I was also a photographer. Okay. So, uh, took a, about a 20 day vacation in and out of Vietnam. Mm hmm. Okay. And, uh, that was interesting. That was the only time I actually got into combat in Vietnam, except for combat coming after us, friendly fire and things like that. In okay. The, into the base. That's different. Yeah. But as far as going out, I just did a couple of small other things after that, but nothing is important as that was right right so uh and you said you did some photography as well while you were there yes that, yeah and now do you do you still have like pictures photographs anything like that from that time or yes i do you do okay very cool i took a, a c-47 as well as a c-46 at Pleiku air base gunships mm -hmm. that's the way we were. yeah as well as uh one of those uh well, this guy's it was a CIA's aircraft, Air okay. America. Yeah. Flew on a few uh, 123s and a couple other ones. Okay. Don't worry about when they change aircraft with uh, very little warning and they forgot to put some seats in there. That uh, when they tell you, hang on to something, we're taking off. <laughs> jet assist, you hang on. Yeah. Because if the back uh, gate is open, you might go flying. <laughs> right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, so, and then how much time total were you in Vietnam? So, were you there multiple times? Eleven and a half months? It gave me a three-week drop, but it took a week to get find an aircraft to go home. Okay. So, uh, a whole week of that was just waiting to get a craft to go home. Yes. Yeah. I thought I had a suntan, but... Of the camera on bay and had nothing else to do at times, went to the beach. Right. Well, discovered when I got home, I had took two hot baths and my suntan went down the drain. <laughs> it was all dirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, man. Okay, so uh, is there anything else uh, during your time in Vietnam that you'd like to talk about or uh, any, anything that you can remember that might be helpful for even some of the young servicemen and women that are in today? Well, we had U.S. shows, U.S. shows, both uh, on our base, and the, there was a central one that they had. I missed the Christmas one in 1969. Okay. But we uh, had, like, floor shows, bands, and all that stuff at our club. And that was very important. Yeah, absolutely. I did photographs there too. And uh, do you remember who uh, who all was there performing? Well, it's Filipinos. There's a, a a nice blonde from Sydney, Australia. Okay. I had her telephone number at the time. <laughs> oh, okay. That's nice. All right. And uh, well, quite a few. The the club hat we had was you know. Nice. 
kind of modern for that time period. And uh, it was, it's real nice. Try to make you feel like home as much as possible. Right. We did give the, you know, you could make a phone call once in a while, USO type. And, you know, life was okay. We had a, uh, as far as the commodities outside, well, we did have a four-seater. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can talk to somebody as you're going. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was during the monsoon season. I got tired of taking a warm shower to get to the shower, a cold shower in the shower, and a warm shower back. So one time I stepped outside the hooch and just took a shower. <laughs> you could, during the monsoon season, you couldn't even see five feet Six feet away. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> That's pretty wild. And how often did that happen? Like when it was that bad? Eh, not that, that, you know, I mean, the water is always the difference, but the, uh, yeah. it's the only time I ever did that. <laughs> one oh, time. okay. Very cool. All right. Any, anything else about that time period that you want to share? Well, Vietnam was a beautiful place for what I could see. I was in Saigon for a while when I first went there. Right. And didn't have enough time to do anything, but you generally ran around with a, a few of the people at the time for safety wise. Right. So it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I still haven't gone back, but I should. Yeah. It's it's changed a lot. Yeah, I know somebody that has actually gone back over there that was you know and and take it took a tour, looked at everything. Uh, I guess completely different now than it was in, um, but uh, but obviously very beautiful that type of stuff. Anyways, I mean it's it's beautiful country. Yeah, beautiful before our wars, and it, because uh, it's peace all over there. I guess it's a lot better. Yeah, from what the pictures I've seen. Mm-hmm. But I took pictures also, you know, different uh, driving around a little bit here and there. And uh, of all things, I I didn't want to scare my mother, but April 21, 1970, we had friendly fire. I didn't know I got hit. took me six hours. (laughs) Really? Wow. Not badly. Pieces dropped. I just went above my left knee, missed the bone, went in and out, didn't bleed. (laughs) And, uh... I turned down that purple heart twice. <laughs> no kidding. Wow. So uh, you didn't feel anything when it happened or whatever. Adrenaline was going, and uh, it, so you didn't feel it at all, huh? Yeah. It's kind of odd. When when did you actually uh, discover that that had happened? Was As you were getting undressed at some point? or? Uh, I went to go take a shower. Yeah. After, after the alert. And discovered I had to hold my pants, hold my leg. I took a shower, then went to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild. And my, my medical records disappeared three weeks later. <laughs> oh, really? Still can't find them. <laughs> well, that that does happen. I uh, there's a lot of people that missing uh, medical records. I will say that nowadays uh, they're moving to all the online stuff, uh, so medical records shouldn't be lost anymore. Uh, no guarantee on that, but it shouldn't be. Yeah. Well. The uh, medic who was taking the, wanted to take a blood test, he uh, 
struck me three times, messed my veins three times, and I told him what he was looking for, I don't have. <laughs> and uh, I would know if I had a problem. <laughs> yeah. So somewhere along after that, that was like on the 7th of May. I'm just before the 7th of May at 70, and my records weren't there at that point in time. No kidding. Wasn't very nice to the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plus, plus, it didn't help too much by my common name. There were several of us. Oh, yeah. Patients. That didn't help. Yeah, very much so. I, yeah, I understand that. All right, so um, you were at Vietnam. Uh, you, when did you transition back? What What time frame? It was the 14th of May, 1970. Okay. Landed at McCord Air Force Base, Washington. Mm hmm And from there, you know, uniform, shower, not paid, check up briefly, and then uh, off to the airport. Okay. <coughs> and the, uh, went over to SeaTac. Seattle, and waited for the aircraft, and flew into San Francisco at like 5 o'clock in the morning. There's no protesters, very few people in the airport itself at that time period. Right. Then transferred to an aircraft to go to Los Angeles. That's the last time I saw any of the uh, people I worked with in Vietnam. Oh, really? Okay. So, and at that point, they, uh, you kind of went separate ways. You went to one unit, they went to another type of thing? Well, my next assignment was Europe. Okay. And so, one guy went off towards Phoenix. Another one, I forgot where he went off to, New Jersey, I believe. And, uh... Did they stay in the military? Did they stay in the Army, or did they get out at that point? Well, we're still all in the Army at that time period. Okay. I know of the one in New Jersey, he became a civilian at uh, Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Okay. Later on. I did, uh, sorry, I did meet one guy in Germany going after a warrant officer flight test. And he was a one of our mechanics. I'm not too sure what ever happened to him, but I was just on for about a couple of hours, and so that was it. Okay. And he was taking the test? Yes. Okay. And were you taking the test as well? I was, and then I, for whatever reason, I turned down the uh, assignment type. Oh, okay. I, I was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, it happens when you're younger. That That's a thing that happens. Uh, so, it's okay. We learn from it. So, and what was your, what was your assignment there in uh, Europe? What, like, what unit did you go to, and then what were you doing? Well, I was working cell communications, and the thing is, I did 10 assignments in three years' time. I stayed in, and temporary assignments, no real permanent assignment. I was asked when I started reporting in there that I fit a description, would you like to volunteer? Oh, oh no. <laughs> and I was 20 years old at that time period. Right. And I just had gone through a war, so it, it makes it a little bit interesting. Why not volunteer? Right. <laughs> what else can they do to you? <laughs> okay, it's not going to get worse at that point, so, you know, or you hope not. <laughs> but 
it, it was interesting. And, uh, the 10 assignments was, uh, kind of an odd thing, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And, and what all did you do there? Well, part of it was training. Part of it was, uh, observations of this or that. Okay. And I, I got on doing microwave radio as well. Okay. And that's the smaller, the, you said the smaller of the communications. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Later on, I, I stayed in longer, and then uh, I did go and take an assignment to Korea, and also still in microwave, but I was also still working as a photographer. Okay. And once in a while, visiting the DMZ. Oh, wow. And, and I'm not too sure who got my photographs sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but that kind of led me off towards uh, switching over to military intelligence later on. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very nice. And then, uh, so at this point, what, what was your rank? Between, a, uh, between an E5 uh, specialist. Okay. And uh, I eventually got promoted to staff sergeant. Okay. So the E five yeah, specialist, it, I just want to make sure that I, I understand it correctly. The E five specialist, uh, that is, uh, it's like a sergeant, right? Yeah. So so you're just specialized within your job, whatever it is, and then the sergeants are more the infantry uh, uh, individuals that get promoted to corporal and sergeant. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Okay. Today, I believe it's uh, changed to just a hard rank itself. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I believe so. Okay, so uh, so you were in Korea. How long were you in Korea for? That time I was there for three years. Okay, wow. I just extended my time here and there. Uh, when I first went in, I was asked, what three assignments would you like to have overseas? Mm -hmm. So I said Germany because it's Europe. Mm-hmm. Hawaii because okay they're surfing yeah 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 and okay Vietnam so guess what I got first <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it makes sense well, so I got Europe afterwards okay which included uh, temporary science and a couple other countries okay in my first time over there and out of Korea, I got medevac twice to Hawaii, so I got my three choices. Well, look at there. Yeah, it worked out for you then. Probably not under the best circumstances, but it worked out. You got there. <laughs> so what? I got shipped back to Korea that time, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you said you got medevac over. Uh, is that uh, Was uh, that for you, or are you just going along? What me. happened? For you? For me. Okay. You, do you want to... Uh, Tell what happened there, or you just want to push on from there? Well, some of it was hereditary, and some of it was injuries. Okay. But I got injured in Vietnam. I got injured in Europe during the, after the 72 Olympic massacre. Oh, yeah. About a week later, I'm driving about 80 miles per hour on the German Autobahn, and mm -hmm. both my right tires got blown out. Oh, man. Time. So I flipped the car on the other side of the Autobahn, upside, you know, and it, I was getting fascinated by all the sparks I was seeing. <laughs> and I, I watched one car in the fast lane, 
He just he didn't stop. Oh wow! <laughs> meantime, I'm going upside down in this building. <laughs> the car eventually flipped itself back on its wheels. Wow! And I went from the driver's seat to the passenger seat. Yeah. I lost the front and back window, the driver's window. I spent the steering wheel. Holy cow! I lost the camera. I lost the radio. But I had a not a not a real case of booze, but I had some bottles of whiskey in the on the floor in the back seat. They ended up on the back seat, not oh. a drop. Really? <laughs> so, wow. The thing is that my car, when I stopped, though, was blocking the slow speed lane, so I sat there for a few moments. Then I got out of the passenger side, got back to the driver's side, thought about it, because I did smell a little gasoline. And so I started the engine and got it off the road. Oh, wow. Okay. And people that were on my side, they came over to see if I was okay or not. And I went down to the uh, call box and called the police. Yeah. Wow. So uh, do you know? How, know do you know how many times it flipped down the road? It didn't flip. It flipped up. Not tumble. Uh huh. It just kind of flipped, flipped like as you go straight down the road, and then you flip it. Oh, like on its side. Down, oh, on upside its down. Side. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's yeah, pretty that's intense. Like, so I blacked out for a few moments when that happens. <laughs> yeah, I imagine so, yeah. Absolutely. So you you were uh, basically uh, dealing with some of those injuries still uh, when you were in yes. Korea. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So you did three years in Korea. What were some of the things in Korea that, that you really remember as far as, uh, like, what what did you do on the norm, uh, and then like what were some of the good and the bad things that you remember out of there? Well, some of the good things was uh, I walked up when I was finally a scientist in Seoul. I walked to the uh, Mons uh, the Namsung Mountain there. It's only a thousand steps up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> is that it? <laughs> Well, that is beautiful for when you got up the top there. Yeah. And the, uh, I, I did some traveling around and took you know, photos all over the place. Mm -hmm. And initially I was a commander of a station on uh, a missile base at the time. Okay. And... From that, I went into actually to a command headquarters. Okay. And the, the fun thing about it was that you don't tell anybody where you work at. Not a problem. But eventually, after several months, I kind of mentioned a little detail. What if you forgot that you told this one person you work in one direction, but you work <laughs> in the other direction? Actually, I got to take my girlfriend in there. And a couple of guys' wives that went in there. Wow. Nothing was, everything was protected. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but they got to go into the uh, complex. Very cool. I don't know if they ever did that again, but from that I went into another assignment. Okay. And I chewed out the command sergeant major. Uh-oh, what happened there? Uh, part of the stupidity at the time. <laughs> it hits us all at some point. <laughs> Well, I was also on a temporary assignment at the time, and uh, the rank I had was over his rank. Okay. <laughs> but it was not my real rank. 
Oh, I see. Okay. And, uh, yeah, that country is very beautiful, too. And it was enjoyable. Okay. I stayed there for three years. Then a few, I went back to Europe after, you know, I did a stateside assignment. Where did, I went back to Europe. Where did you go? I ended up going back over to Korea again. Where did you go when you went back stateside? Well, I went to back to actually Fort Monmouth in Jersey. I went to Fort Dix oh, okay. in Jersey. Fort Belmar, Virginia, and a little bit of the Pentagon. Okay. And and were you... Fort Huachuca, Arizona. No kidding. I just know a Sergeant Major that just went there to uh, be the uh, Command Sergeant Major for uh, that base. Uh, she just checked in there about a, uh, maybe two months ago now. So, yeah, she she just left here from Virginia and went there. Well, a lot of different assignments are beautiful, and there's a you, know, you do have to watch out for some of the civilians. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of places are like that sometimes. <laughs> Some places they really hate the military. Yeah, but they would not survive without the military. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a little problem there. Yeah. Okay, and then and, while you were here in the states, what what types of assignments were you doing at that point? Was it still the same uh, uh, radio type stuff, or were you doing something different? Was it camera? Well, when I was at uh, Fort Belvoir, as a combination of a cameraman. Sports, I even did sports events in the Army-Navy game, and the Army lost. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and, um, did a, quite a few things, plus I also went te temporary duty. Okay. And the, uh, well, it was, you know, besides being the technical side, it was also because I was also a photographer. Right. Yeah, that's and it's been one since uh, high school. <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's a good thing to have. Is this is it a special skill or something extra uh, as you're going through the ranks? That way, uh, if things do pop up, you're able to jump on those assignments and uh, go on those temporary duties and things like that. A lot of them, a lot of fun. Uh, some of them, not so much. But you know, you get you get the good with the bad, I suppose. Yes. And you wonder about if you have a if you take some photographs of something you didn't. Well, you, you kind of first spotted by chance, and you, the film goes up the chain. Uh huh. And if somebody on the other side sees what you took, what happens to the people on the other side? Ooh, all right. I, that's a good question. There's a lot of different I things think, could happen. <laughs> well, I think a few people just no longer existed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Wow. Okay, so... That was in the Korean DMZ. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm sure that was exciting, doing uh, doing the photography there at the DMZ and, and taking photos of all that stuff. I'm sure that was very uh, uh, exciting, and uh, your adrenaline was rushing and stuff like that, I'm sure. And I wasn't observed. Oh, really? <laughs> Not from where I was at. <laughs> nice, okay. Well, that's good. Awesome. So after the stateside assignments, uh, you said you went back to Europe. Is that right? Yes. Where specifically? Well, Würzburg, Germany, and I also went to Italy. Okay. And a few other locations. On a little different time period, I went uh, on a special assignment. I even went up to a 
good few of the British and the uh, Belgian assignments. Oh, no kidding. Okay. How, how did you like those? What what were some uh, good things that you got out of those assignments? Well, I got to practice a load of languages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, see more different parts of the country. The odd thing about it, I was telling certain individuals they should never travel alone, but I would generally be alone. Oh, really? But I was always observing to make sure that if anybody's following you or whatever, right? you uh, protected yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Did you ever have any issues with that while you were there? No, the only real issue I had was the car. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And as far as, uh, they never did classify it, but I took photographs of my car, and it was no accident. Really? And, and at the time period, you had the bottom Onhof gang in Germany. Mm-hmm. A bunch of uh, rich kids, drugs, excitement, crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that's what it led to. No kidding. I did some other investigations on it because I did uh, check things out before I switched over to intelligence. Right. Wow. But that was doing one of my miscellaneous temp- temporary assignments. Okay. All right. Now, uh, you say you switched over to intelligence. When did you do that? Like, what rank were you when you decided to switch over? Still staff sergeant. Staff sergeant. Okay. And then that I was... I turned down the promotion once. I don't know why, I just didn't want it. I think it was because I didn't want the follow-on assignment that I would have had. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It was at Fort Huachuca. Okay. The assignment yeah, was at Fort Huachuca? Uh, communications and radar, and then I went ahead and switched over to military intelligence. Okay. And of all things, while I was home one time, out of several... Public magazines. I created a classified document, and I Uh-oh. presented it. Well, I what I did was I did it. No one else saw it. I took it to my unit and uh, said, "Hey, uh, what about this?" They looked at it. Where'd you get that? I created it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, here's the public documents that it came from. I produced all the evidence. Wow. So So that goes to show that, uh, you know, if things are leaked out or whatever and people are publishing things, the enemy can put those all together and kind of get that information. So, I I mean, that's that's a prime example of them being able to do that. Yeah. Well, I got that idea from reading a couple of magazines itself. Yeah. Or books and... uh, different time period but still that's what they did back in the books so mm-hmm. i did it i just have to have bought the right uh, magazines right yeah it's not very sensitive not in reality but uh, right it could have been a different time period would have made a big difference right yeah 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 absolutely but they you know people put it together all the time mm-hmm yeah, that's and that's wild. Also, for the fun of it, late you know, the last few odd years, I put a, I put a top secret document together. That's only thing. Like, this is all for fun. It's got biplanes, the 
got the Wright brothers. He's got fights <laughs> in there. Something that's you know eighty years old. Yeah, and beyond. So wow. And the only time you're going to get that one word is on the very front. Nothing else. And I wonder what um, some politicians could do to play with that. Yeah, there's no telling. <laughs> but uh, if you take a look at the document, those aircraft no longer exist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> also, I wrote a book on aviation, which uh, led off to that right there for the fun of it. And I did with the... Uh, an aviation project I had been working on in uh, 2010. Okay. It was a history, we did a reenactment of a, the 100th anniversary of the first aeromeet in the West, the third one in the world here in California. Okay. The first was London to Paris, Belmont, New Jersey, and then Los Angeles. Okay. So during that history book I created, and I gave out copies of it, that I figured out certain items out of there, aircraft or whatnot, and then I just went ahead and put a title on it for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. But I also said, this is for fun, this is not a real document. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's really cool. Because if it would be classified, it would have been classified in 1910. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a little past then. <laughs> so, um... Going back, you had the you transferred to military intelligence. At that point, uh, kind of walk through your experiences there, and what were some of the the good and the bad, and the and things that you remember about that time frame. Well, I was at Fort Huachuca for you know, from eighty one to eighty three. I was also the team captain of the rifle team. Oh, no kidding! Very nice. That's a lot of fun. So that, that, that's a little high thing, plus uh, hiking trails, off the, the base itself, you know, real open. Right. During hunting season, you got to be a permit in order to walk in certain areas. Oh, no kidding. And you always have to, to worry about uh, illegals coming over as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is pretty close to the border there, isn't it? The mountain is the border. Is it? Okay, okay. You're not too far from Nogales and Bixby and all that. Right. So, but it was a beautiful territory. It had tombstone. It had other places to go to that was, you know, exciting. Right. So as that for the social area, and as far as uh, the assignment, well, getting trained in a certain occupation made it kind of interesting and fun. I also did a little radar at that point of time. Okay. While I was waiting off for my clearance. And, uh, we just, yeah, most of us had no problems. Mm -hmm. There were a couple people, but beyond the point, nothing. Yeah. And I did some flying out there. Okay. I almost crash landed an aircraft twice. Oh. What were you? Due to the altitude. Summertime, when the air is thin. Uh-huh. And you're cutting power like normal. Well, normally I would have landed about a quarter mile short of the runway. Oh. I learned to uh, get over the runway before you cut power. <laughs> <laughs> now, wintertime, springtime, not a problem. Okay. But 
But when it's about 100 degrees, it makes a difference. No kidding. Wow. And what aircraft were you flying? It was like a two-seater? Uh, okay. I did fly two Army helicopters as a co-pilot a couple oh, times. Okay, that's cool. Without instruction. <laughs> Maybe not so cool. <laughs> no. I uh, flew an aircraft before I went over to Korea in 74 with a friend that was a pilot, but I did all the flying. Oh, no kidding? He just kind of walked you through it? Nope. No. Just took over. Oh, no kidding. Wow. Well, it just came natural to you then. Yeah. Well, two of my friends wanted to go, well, one went in helicopters, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. This one here got washed out for hearing, but then again, he got to fly otherwise. I chose not to, or I just didn't, you know, it's a bad choice. Yeah. But then I uh, flew aircraft. The last time I flew was in 94. Okay. That was a Mooney from California to Nevada. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then, uh, so how, how long total were you in uh, intelligence? That was the, up until you retired? About eight years. Eight years? Okay. And then you retired right at 20? Just after. Just after 20? Uh, it's actually, I made a mistake in the process. I was asked, you really don't need to retire. And I understood that I retired because I wanted to keep a family together. Okay, yeah. That didn't work. But I know one of four locations I would have been in the Middle East if I had stayed in. Yeah. No problem with that. I was in, in charge of a team. Mm-hmm. So, it would have been interesting. And how much involvement, I really can't say. Right. That's what I can't tell you. It's just the fact is that not being there, it's kind of hard to tell. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. But I do miss the idea that I didn't go. Yeah. Because I was trained for it. I did quite a few things in that direction. Mm -hmm. And I've studied a lot more about all the Middle East and all that stuff. Right. And then what, what year was it you actually retired in? 89. 89? Okay. Well, they say a year and a half, you know, before the uh, Persian Gulf won. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, so after you retired, uh, like, did you have a ceremony when you retired? Uh, anything like that? Nope. One shot of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that was friends. But the, uh, before I actually retired at Fort Bragg, mm -hmm. I sent my family back here to California. Okay. And I stayed with some friends for a couple of days. And... On Fort Bragg, there was two drunk GIs from the 82nd Airborne. Mm -hmm. They were using AK-47s, shooting down the tree line. He had a road on both sides of the trees. The housing was on the right side. Oh, no. So I ordered one guy to call the police, MPs, and I had another guy with me and walked up behind him and told him, drop those weapons or else. <laughs> They did drop them. That's good. <laughs> well, 
I think a forty-four bag with shot shells would definitely do a little damage. It, yeah, most assuredly would. Feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the uh, my other one was a forty-five. Okay. So, but they did drop their weapons. Wow. And You're... I was told that it might have been one of those two guys. They. Uh, while well, getting court-martialed, they killed a couple of people. No kidding. Dang. Their, their commander, platoon sergeant. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, thinking backwards, it might have been better if they had turned a little bit. And th- that might have saved lives. Yeah. If it's, if it's those two guys. Uh, so, you don't know for sure if it was or not? No. no. It very well could have been, though. Wow. All right. And, uh, on my well, assignment over at uh, Fort Dixon, Jersey, previously, mm-hmm. that my wife and a friend were approached on McGuire Air Force Base, make a two or three thousand dollars a night in Philadelphia. And when I got home, I was told that, and I thought the way it was said, I thought it was a joke. Right. But uh, the four of us, the, the friend's husband, we went off to the air base and reported it. And I ended up doing surveillance uh, on a couple places on the Army base. Okay. The CID down all the other. They busted their prostitution ring. No kidding. And we weren't called back. Hmm. Wow. Because I, I was already on my next assignment by the time. Yeah. Wow. And what? when was that, you said? It was when you were where at? Fort Dix, New Jersey. Fort Dix, okay. Wow. McGuire's next to, you know, mm-hmm. the airbase next to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. And then at that point, uh, so you're after retirement, where did you go? Did you go back to California and stay there? Yeah. Went to San Diego. Okay. And uh, I ended up working at uh, General Dynamics for a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then uh, I eventually found a, a job at the VA hospital mm-hmm. in the comu- computer area. Okay. Stayed there until, well, I applied for a job for Customs Investigations, mm-hmm. which is Homeland Security you know, today, basically. Right. So I ended up taking a job at San Francisco. Okay. And it wasn't too bad, except for I'm not San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after four years, I told him I quit. There was a conditions of the time, the ex-wife then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And I uh, came back home here. And after several years, my injuries just really got too much. Mm-hmm. But I just told him I quit. They retired me. Okay. So you ended up with two retirements at that point. Yes. Nice. Short term, but uh, I had to apply for Social Security. Okay. And I finally had an operation on my spine four years ago. Oh, no kidding. And how did that go? Well, four discs, a tear and a oops. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it took quite a while, plus you had the pandemic. Oh, that was so during I- that time, yeah. I had to learn how to walk on my own with a book, my walker, and 
have somebody walk with me so if I fall down, at least I can tell somebody. <laughs> right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that was a very interesting time that we had, uh, pandemic. I, that was just something that was crazy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm glad it's over and we're moving forward. That's good. So I <laughs> don't have to deal Hopefully with that anymore. Considering I do uh, history, uh-huh. international as well as California, the United States, and the mm-hmm. reenactments, that I came across a, a document that had smallpox, yellow fever, bouncing here and there, the flus. Every so many odd years, it would pop up here and there. So never know what man will do to itself. Yeah, 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 that's very true. Uh, it's it's wild to think of all the stuff that uh, has come out and things have done been done. It's it's just insane, and and the further in time in time you get with it, uh, and the more stuff that gets declassified and all that type of stuff, it's amazing the stuff that has happened. Some of it you don't want declassified. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. All right, well, hey, uh, Bob, I appreciate you coming on. We're gonna wrap this episode up. And then we'll start another episode uh, for Thursdays uh, when we post that one. And then we could talk a little bit more about your post-military career, kind of what you did. I know you did. Uh, you were talking about you did some uh, extra work and different things for veterans. Is that right? Did yes. I? Yeah, okay. So maybe we can get into some of that. Uh, and then really just get into some uh, different things of words of wisdom that you have for these young servicemen and women as they're uh, going through their careers. That sound good to you? Yes. One simple thing is, uh, don't do anything wrong. <laughs> Have a sense of humor. But to, truthfully speaking, I got fired as the intelligence officer for an aviation unit at Fort Hood because the command sergeant major asked me what was my military philosophy of life. <laughs> and my reply was, uh, I'm a civilian. A civilian-minded person, I'll do my job in the military. I'll see my job in the military. I'm still a civilian. I can fire back to military intelligence. You <laughs> <laughs> okay. have no sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Sense of humor is a good thing to have. That's for sure. All right, so we're going to wrap. Good, but you do have to control it, that's all. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a time and a place for everything. That's true. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, I want to thank everybody for coming in and joining us for this podcast. Uh, please tune in again for the rest of uh, Bob's story here. And then uh, stay motivated and change your socks. <laughs> Are you in the Virginia Beach, Hampton Roads area and looking for a fun, family-friendly musical act? Then you are in luck. Poncho Music is an experienced musician and entertainer performing country music favorites of yesterday and today. Poncho, a United States Marine Corps veteran, performs in the Hampton Roads area right here in Virginia. Come on out to listen to great music and have family fun. You can find a listing of upcoming events on Facebook. Type in Poncho Music. That's P-A-N-C-H-O-M-U-S-I-C. Like and follow. Support your local veterans. Poncho Music, performing in the Hampton Roads area.